Welcome and thank you for joining this week's podcast with the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams. In this week's sermon, discover the spiritual truths needed to advance believers' ability to protect and pursue their purpose and destiny. Understand why the enemy is in pursuit of what you carry and how to engage your weapons of warfare. Join the Archbishop at this year's Global Prayer Work Summit in Connecticut, USA from the 19th to the 22nd of July. Register now at ndwministries.org. Know today that this is God's word of revelation for you. Be inspired as you listen. Environment matters. Atmospheres matters. And uh, you may disagree, but that is what life is all about. Uh, I said the other day that people can go to Europe and North America and living in that environment, nobody tells you to put on your seatbelt when you sit in the car. It's a compliance-driven society. Everybody does it uh, because there are consequences for not doing it. Uh, But over here, for whatever reason, uh, it's free for all. And so you live out there, you come in here, and you sit in the car, and wearing your seatbelt doesn't matter. You just drive, no seatbelt, you drive. But in Europe or in North America, there are consequences. If you don't wear your seatbelt, you pay. You can drive out there and you won't use your cell phone because you know if you do, you'll be arrested. They'll send you a ticket. Over here, people drive and still they talk on their cell phone because there are no consequences. And it has to do with the There is a virus of lawlessness. And it's in the atmosphere. It doesn't matter where you come from. As soon as you get in the environment, unless you have bulletproof mind, the environment, the, 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 the virus in the environment will catch you. Hello? Hallelujah. But today we want to go past the background and the environment and we want to deal with, want to deal with your potential, what you carry, what you carry. And you might be a man, but you still have a womb. And it's a spiritual womb. You're carrying something. Uh, It is what you carry that determines your conflict and your battles in life. The enemy doesn't play fair at all. He doesn't play fair. As a matter of fact, the Bible said his tender mercies are cruelty. That is how evil and wicked the adversary is. You can never take sides. You can never take sides. You can never be on the side of the enemy because he doesn't play fair. He's a very wicked devil. Somebody say, I hear you. And I think as basic as these truths are, uh, it, it, is, it is very important for you to be aware of this because you, you can't fight certain battles if you don't understand the fundamentals. Uh, you will struggle a lot in life, asking questions and always having problems with yourself and, and your confidence level will always be shaky because you lack simple understanding that you you are different from others and whatever you deal with in life has everything to do with what you carry and why you came here. Uh, My fight is not like the fight of others. I know what I'm dealing with and why I deal with what I deal with. And as we go along, you will see it, that every one of us have something to deal with. Every one of us has a cross to carry. 
your cross is not mine and mine is not yours. But the thing is, you can't compare yourself to me, neither can I compare myself to you. And you can't ask questions and say, uh, why, is, why are things easy for this individual? And for me, it's a struggle and it's always a fight and a complication because you differ from others and you are unique and what you carry is different from what others are carrying. Please come to me, come with me to Judges, the 13th chapter and the fifth verse. Judges 13 and the fifth verse. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Stop there. A Nazarite from the womb. A Nazarite from the womb. Tell somebody, a Nazarite from the womb. Tell somebody, you were a Nazarite from the womb. That means you are different. A Nazarite means a man or a woman under a vow. You are under a vow. You are not like anyone else. You can't be like others. You can do what others are doing. And you know, we live in a society today that if you don't do what others are doing, you look weird. They look at you some way. And it's like something is wrong with you. So you are compelled to be like others, to do what everyone is doing for attention and for acceptance. But that will kill you. That will destroy you. If you decide to be like everybody else, you can be destroyed. You can become a victim or a casualty of your ignorance because others can do things and get away with it. And for you, even the thought of it, the Holy Spirit will whip you with strong conviction that don't even try it and don't go that way. Does anybody understand what I'm saying here? And if you do, put your hands together and say, I hear you, I hear you. So don't try to be anyone. Be you. Because you're a Nazarite. You're a Nazarite. You have certain powers, privileges that others don't have. With a hand, with an empty hand, you can kill a lion. You can withstand what others cannot withstand. You survive what others can survive because you're a Nazarite. And the other day, something said, in the day that razor touches my hair, I will be like anybody else. Find it. Tell somebody, you are not like anybody else. Come on, somebody, talk to me. You are not like your siblings. You are not like your brothers. You are not like your sisters. You are not like your friends. You are not like your peers. You are different. You are Nazarite. You are a man. You are a woman on their vow. Can do what everybody does and don't try to be like anybody else. You will mess up your destiny. You will mess up where you are going if you try to be like everybody else. If you want to have acceptance and you want, hear me, to be recognized. You want acceptance. You want to be recognized. You want to be in the good books of others. You want relevance. You've missed it. Jesus said the other day, whoa, is he. He said, who are you when all men speak well of you? You are in a good disciples. You're not a good disciple. You hear me? If you want to make a difference in life, there's a price to pay. And the price to pay sometimes is being lonely. The price to pay is to be different from others. And sometimes it hurts. 
walking alone, being alone, being different. The other day, God said, looking unto Abraham, your father, I called him alone. Somebody say alone. He said, I called him alone. Isaiah, I believe 52. And he said, I called him alone and I blessed him. I called him alone and I blessed him. You see, eagle, what makes the eagle dangerous? The eagle can survive all alone. Souls alone, no bird can rise to the altitudes where eagles fly. You can't do that. You won't survive. You don't have enough oxygen to survive. But the eagle is built to survive in higher altitudes where other birds can survive. You are an eagle Christian. You can survive what others can survive. But you got to know that you are an eagle. You got to know you are different. Somebody said to me the other day, Papa, what do you do when you feel lonely all alone and you feel sad? I said it's an indication that spiritually your water level is dropping. Your spirituality is dropping. So step it up. Maduka dahasa. Lift up your hand, pray in the spirit for one minute. I can't hear you. Zida. Ulunda kiasan. Melei katun. Kisalabatu kadima lahanda. Ou kidahabaza. Zalata kidalahasuda kibahand. Die falu. Wasi and I, he can do Malaya kutundu kasinda bahadaza. Zedu kalibaha, he katulu kadinda sika fan. De wahada luka tando kasida. Mie tu kula kasida badundika. Salamagadila gusi mataza. Look at me. Loneliness and feeling sad and grief. It's not the absence of people, it's the absence of direction. When you lack direction, you get lonely. I don't get lonely. Whenever I feel that loneliness hitting me, I know exactly what's going on. And I have to just immediately attack it and say, no, 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 no. You are not exacting on me. You can't, you can't put it on me. I'm not accepting it. In the name of Jesus, be dismissed. Go to the place of divine appointment. Return to the void of space. With immediate effect, I take command in the name of Jesus. Duda, Duda, Kadahasa. Hey, Mukasada Hali Tasa. Are you hearing me, somebody? You gotta get it. You're a Nazarite from birth. You can't be like anybody else. The only way you become like others is to compromise who you are. And you never get it right in this life when you become like others. When you become like others, you become a man pleaser. You see the authority. You see it unto others who you truly are to become something else. If you watch the Jews and Muslims, they don't compromise their conviction and their stand and who they are. We are the only faith and religion in this world that compromise who we are, our stand and our faith, just to look good in the book of others, to please others, to be like others, to be accepted by others. I remember when I lived in America, and most times we'll be invited to programs 
by the White House and things, and you'll be asked to pray, not to pray in the name of Jesus. And then other religions, they pray in the name of their, they follow their rules. They pray as they ought to pray. And I said, why can't I pray in the name of Jesus? It's the only name given under the sun and the heavens by which we can be saved. And I just say to myself, you know something? I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus anyway. I'll pray in the name of Jesus. And the only thing you can do is not to invite me again. And so before, before you choose not to invite me again, I'll give it all the shot I have. So I'll start and I'll pray. And when I finish, I say, in the name of Jesus, name above every other name, in the name of he who died, laid in the grave and arose on the third day, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Amen. I'm sorry. Next time you don't have to invite me. But you always remember that I didn't compromise. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, I admire other faiths or religions that stand for what they believe. If we don't stand for what we believe, we'll fall for everything. You don't know where you're going, you'll take any turn on the main road. From here to the end of Springtest, there are many turns. If you don't know you are going to action, you pass by action. You go the wrong place. May you not miss it in life. May you always know where you are going and may you take the right turn in life. Say yes. Born from birth as a Nazarite, different from others. You don't do what others are doing. Society will despise you, look down upon you. Be you'll be rejected. They'll call you names, but it's okay. It's okay because I know what makes me who I am. I went to a conference years ago in the Bahamas. And I was fasting, dealing with some serious things. And when I went, for two days, everybody was having breakfast. No prayer time, nothing. Breakfast in the morning, and they had fellowship. Breakfast, in the, uh, lunch in the afternoon, fellowship, dinner in the night, fellowship, laughing, everything. And I started, spiritually, I started dropping. I was dropping. And I could sense it. I knew I was dropping. I was feeling weird in some way. But the fellowship was good and people were giving out their business card and they were making contacts and everything. And, and it wasn't working for me. I, I knew I wasn't functioning. Something was wrong. I was dropping spiritually, having all kinds of strange dreams at night for those two days. And I said, no, this is not working for me. So on the third day, I said, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to fast. So I, I, I fasted. And as soon as I began the fight, it was, it was a struggle in the beginning. But somewhere around two, three, four, I started feeling good and refreshed. And, and I felt that my water level was rising and power was coming back again. And just there I knew that I couldn't, I don't fit into that society. Even though they were good people, it's not that I was better than them. They are great people, they are good people. But the fact of the matter is that that kind of lifestyle works for them, but it doesn't work for me. You see, you need to understand that what works for others may not work for you. And if you try to, because of acceptance and recognition and because of relevance, you, you, you compromise and you give in who you are 
for acceptance, to become like others, you will compromise your destiny. You compromise your future and they will do well in life and you realize that you won't do that well. It, it can set you back. It will make you a follower and not a leader. But I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, hear me and hear me well good. Leaders, leaders walk the path of controversy. Leaders walk a path of complications. Because I'm telling you, a leader is born and called to do what others have never done before. As a leader, you are called to do something different from others. I was telling them in the first service last week, Bishop Steve Menza, uh, Pastor Steve Menza, came to see me. And we were chatting. And I remember he was telling me about, he was reminding me when they were in action. And the things that they used to do when they were in action. And they had this evangelistic ministry. They were in a church. So they'll come to church on Sunday morning and Sunday evening they'll go to Legon and have their evangelistic ministry. And every now and then I'll go preach for them. And one day I went to preach for them and I said, Steve, this is not a fellowship, this is a church. He said, Papa, what are you talking about? I said, yes. This thing is not a fellowship, it's a church. You have to turn it into a church. I'll help you. And so, reluctantly, he turn, they turned the fellowship into a church. Then I went to preach for them again the next year. And I said, Steve, you got to find a place to move the church from Legon. They'll kick you out. He said, Papa, they promised to give us a place of worship. And I said, no, they won't give you a place of worship. They'll kick you out and the church will scatter. So when I went and I told him that, for whatever reason, they struggled with what I was saying because they've been assured a place of worship. They'll give them a place of worship. A year after, he came to see me and said, Papa, they've asked us to leave. I don't know where to take the people to. And I said, but I told you, they'll kick you out. So I said, give me some time to pray. And we had a land where they are right now. It belongs to action. So I said, you know what? We have a land that I want to open a church, a branch later. Uh, you can have it. You are my son. I'm not called to build a denomination. I'm called to build a kingdom. And... As we were talking, I said to him, I said, Steve, in those days, if I had asked you to turn the fellowship into action, what would you have done? He said, Papa, I would have turned it into action. You are our Papa. I mean, I didn't know anything about running a church. And so if you said we should turn it into an action brand, I'd just go ahead and do it. And I realized when he said that, and few have said that, that I wasn't called to build a denomination. That my place and my role and my calling as an apostle was to discover giftings and to discover people's potential, empower them, and help them to become what God called them to be. And I realized that people from Reverend Isudanaba, Robert Ampiakofi, people like Bishop Dag, I remember when Bishop Dag got baptized in the Holy Spirit and he was speaking in tongues and he called me at that time and he said, you know, Papa, I'm speaking in tongues. I'm not sure about the tongues. And I said, speak it, let me hear. And when he spoke it, I said, it is Holy Ghost tongue. Keep speaking it. Are you hearing me, somebody? And I said, the devil is trying to confuse you because you need this language for the things God has called you to do. I didn't know Bishop Doug was going to be great. I didn't know he was going to be who he is today. One of the biggest in the charismatic move. I didn't know all that. But I have a heart. And God gave me a heart for some of these guys. I didn't know where they were going and what they carried. But I, I love them. And I'll tell you something. Years after, if you go to his museum, you will see my statue there. 
right there among all the great men of women of God of old and of now. And not that only, but years after, one of the guys that is really followed Bishop Dow's ministry when it comes to church growth and cells and all that is my son Joel. Joel, if you follow him, he's always listening to Bishop Dow and always reading his book and studying his book. Whatever God used me to do in the life of Bishop Dow, my son is benefiting from it. My son is profiting from it. So in life, in life, God will cause you to be a blessing to somebody and that blessing can come back to you. But maybe not you, your children or your grandchildren. That's why you must always understand that in life, if you have children, you must never criticize the children of others. Until your children come of age and do better and do well, you must never criticize the children of others. Because you see, one of the things the enemy can do to you in life is to put what you hate in what you love. You didn't hear what I said. Some of you to take you some time to get it. The enemy doesn't play fair. And what he does, he looks at what you care about and love the most. And he will attach what you hate, what you detest. He puts what you detest into what you love. And see how you can maneuver and still love what you hate. What you love and deal with what you hate. How do you love what you love with what you hate at the same time? Yeah. That is where your love is tested. That is where your faith is tested. Because you are looking at something you love and care about the most. And at the same time, you see what you hate. Attach to what you love. And the devil will dare you and say, I think you said you love it. Keep loving it. And anytime you look at what you love, all you see is what you hate. And sometimes what you hate, try to cover what you love. And you need skill and much grace to be able to fight through the kusumaha dasis. Salute kalahazin devayandua ikalahadin disanda bahasa dakilias. Awandia ei kimaha zumutu kalindi vahasa amadundi kalika satahasa. And the enemy keep blowing it, magnifying what you hate in what you love. And that is where maturity comes in. That is where having faith in God, that is where you are tried and you are tested. Whether you're going to give up on what you love because he has attached what you hate to what you love. Let me proceed. Put your hands together and give God prayer. We are different. We are unique. I remember many years ago, I met a young man called Paul Adifarasi in Nigeria. And I took him to London. And he pastored my church in London. 
in Medaville for four years. Tried to get him a stay in London, tried everything and it failed. And I said, Paul, you gotta go back to Nigeria. According to the rules, we have to reapply. And he said something and he said, Papa, if I go back to Nigeria and I get my visa back to London, I'll be with you the rest of my life. But if I don't, then I know I have to move on. And he applied, he did everything. He didn't get the visa to go back to London. I have to find somebody else to take over the church in London. And he came to me and said, Papa, I believe I have to move on. And I say, I believe so too. Brought me a seat. I prayed for him, bless him, release him. Today, he has one of the largest church in Nigeria, impacting his generation, doing great things for God. What is the lesson? He was brought to my life for a season. For me to impact his life, work with him, help him to discover who he was and who he was going, where he was going. And the season ended and I had to release him to move on with God for God to take him to other heights and dimension. My assignment was over at a particular time and you got to know what you are called to do. We are not called to dominate. We are not called to control. We are vessels, we are instruments. God uses us to touch people, impact life. And throughout my years in ministry, I have understood that and I've never tried to hold on to anyone I've never tried to hold on to anyone. There are many that God gave to me and said, this one, they will stay with you to the end and others will come and they will go and release them and others will take advantage and exploit you. Leave them alone, I'll deal with that. Your job is to keep impacting life and keep blessing and don't curse anybody. Just keep blessing, keep blessing. And I believe, I believe that is my call and that kind of a call is not easy. That kind of a call is a tough one. I'm telling you. I remember when I removed Bishop James from Jericho Hour. I heard his testimony the other day on a, on, on, online with Bishop uh, Reverend Isudanaba. I removed him because I believe that a time had come that he had to move on, take all that responsibilities. And I did. And I believe he misunderstood my move at that time. Because he was in a lot of pain. He thought he was doing good. He was doing the right thing. He should be appreciated. But I removed him. And I removed him to give him other assignments. He was needed elsewhere. And I felt like being committed to Jericho Hour was going to distract him from other things that I believe God was calling him to. So I removed him without explanation. And I was ready to face the implications of my decisions. And that is who a true leader is. True leaders are not afraid of taking decisions. You take decisions, you stand by it, and you face the consequence. Because everything has consequence. And every action has a reaction. Every action has a reaction. And I am not afraid of reactions of my actions. 
because I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep me to the end of the day. For the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Even when my enemies and foe come up to eat up my flesh, they stumble and they fall. Put your hands together. Say yes. And I could see that Bishop James was struggling with my decision. That was 20 years ago. And people have come to me saying, are you sure about this decision? I said, what is your problem? And I said, if God called Bishop James to me, he will stay. And if he lived because of this decision, then he was not called to me. And I let him battle with it. And you know what changed the game? Apart from Reverend Eastwood and others talking to him, he went to fast and pray. And he had a vision. And uh, Bishop, give him, give him a microphone. Let him tell his vision himself. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to misrepresent what he saw. But he had a vision. And he's sticking around. And being around here had everything to do with that vision he had. He has told the bishops and the pastors several times. But I want you to hear the vision he had when he was taken into heaven. Bishop, tell us the vision. Don't say anything about what I did. I've done it. <laughs> and you survived. And it's for the greater And you are a survivor. You survived. And it's for the greater good. Uh-huh. Amen. Amen. So tell us the vision. <clears throat> I was sick for a while. And mm -hmm. you had flown to London. Mm -hmm. You were there with the family. And it got worse. It was very difficult. Within the two weeks, I was not well. It got to a point I couldn't talk. So in the afternoon, I was rushed to 37 hospitals. Now, before then, before then. I traveled yes. to London. That's the one. And the day I got to London was the day you got sick. Yes. When I left town. Okay. I left my stuff and I flew back to Ghana the same day. So that's the story I'm giving. To, to be with you. Yes. Okay, so I wanted to make that straight. That I flew to London and the very day I landed in, I landed in London, I had a call that Bishop James has been rushed to the hospital. 37. 37. And the Lord said, you got to go back lest you lose him. So I left my things and I flew back to Ghana the same day immediately to spend time with him. So go ahead. So when I was not well, I had a dream. And in the dream, I saw my wife lying down and myself. My spirit left my body and went into heaven. Even right now, I can see it. I could see the blue skies and the birds. And I could hear voices in the heavens. And I was going. And I could look down and see my body. Then I heard the voice of Jesus Christ clear in my ears. James, where are you going? The work I gave you, you have not done it. You have not finished. Go back. So my spirit reversed and entered my body. And then just then, I saw that I was in a vehicle. And you were in the vehicle and I saw Dr. Nyakum. Dr. Nyaku was on one side, and I was on another side. And the two of us entered a huge market. And you said to me, this is where we are coming to. So I came down. But you got the message through Bishop Ben. He came to London that time and told you that Bishop James is in a crisis. So he left the family, left your bag, and flew straight down with Makan and came to Kolebu uh, Hospital. And the fact of the matter is that I stayed in Archbishop's 
bedroom for a month. I wasn't going to my house. He was feeding me. He was taking care of me. Dr. Ablo came to take care of me for a month. And I personally vowed there that it doesn't matter what it takes. I'll hang in here. Now, stop there. The real vision I want you to tell them was when you went to the throne room and the Lord told you that Archbishop remove you, but today I have removed you. I want you to hear this. You see, there are decisions leaders take that sometimes you congregation members, you don't understand and you take sides because you love some of the pastors and you think that the decision of leadership is not right. But I want you to listen to this thing. It's very, very important. And remember what he said. The reason why I brought him to my house and put him in my bedroom when I saw the fears of the battle that this thing was going to take him out, the Lord said, put him in your house. And I said, Bishop, come stay in my house, stay in my bedroom, and let me see the devil that can come here and take you. Now, I want you to hear this one because this, this revelation is the one that kept him in action. Listen, go ahead. Three days after Archbishop Ben Snidausa died, you have heard it, but I wasn't aware and probably didn't know how to convey to me. So I was in Medina. And I had a vision in the room in which I was. There was smoke suddenly came in. I thought maybe uh, there was a fire burning or something, but I couldn't hear the, feel the smell of it. Uh, smoke or anything. But the smoke came into the room. I struggled and then I suddenly saw that there was a huge throne. And on the throne there were people sitting there and I could see something like a fireball in the middle and there were people sitting there in white. Then I heard a voice that said, James, today I am the one who has removed you from that post. You are, I was mission director. I'm the, you are, I'm the one who has removed you. But earlier, it is this man who removed you. So when I turned, then I saw you sitting at the top where the elders were seated and you were dressed in military attire. I said, wow. So you looked at me and you blinked. <laughs> then the one on the throne said, James, go down. Take this sword and go down. So when I was coming down, then Archbishop came from the top, where he was seated at the top, came to the front. And I saw Dr. Nyako and some other pastors, and we followed. But just then when we followed, said, James, let's go. Then I heard the roar of a lion, huge, big lion. I can recollect it to today. And the lion was coming from the throne, and the lion roared. So I turned, and the lion said, where you are going is too far. You are delayed. You are late in the journey. So make haste because you are running late. And I woke up and I ran to your house to tell you. Put your hands together. Thank God. Thank you, Bishop. But I want, can I say something? Say that. Go ahead. Finally. In all the years from the vision I had to go to at Kolebu that you came from London, and this one, every decision you've taken, no matter how tough, and that's the lesson Pastor Eastwood wanted to convey to his pastors in Borga, and I believe is the reason he wanted me to come and share with them that the new generation don't understand the price 
one must pay to obey. And they think following leadership is easy. And the message is clear. Obedience is not easy, but you must obey. Put your hands together. Give God praise. Hallelujah. Tell somebody, don't be afraid to pay the price. It will end you well. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Come with me to 1 Peter 2.9. Let me look at my time. 1 Peter 2.9, quickly. But ye are a chosen generation. Number one, tell somebody you are chosen. That is the reason for your battles. Tell somebody that is the reason for your battles. Uh-huh. It's because you are what? Chosen. 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 You are chosen. You are different. Stop trying to be like everybody. Stop trying to please everybody. Stop trying to, you know, be recognized, want attention, recognition, and all those stuff. Stop it. Sometimes people will tell me, Papa, if you do this, you will train. Uh, if you can do this every day, you become big and huge. Listen, I don't want to be big and huge. That's not my passion. I've never wanted to be anything. All I have wanted to be and still want to be is to do the will of God, whatever his will is. That is all I'm interested in. Are you hearing me, somebody? Yeah. When I live in America, there was this guy who came to see me. Uh, he, what he does, he has a special ministry and office and he will package your books and he will manage you and everything and then you split the money. And he came to see me, he said, I can blow you up. I can blow you up. I can make you huge. I can make you big because nobody is saying what you are saying. You got it. You know what I'm saying? You got it, man. You got it. And I said, I got it. He said, yeah. <laughs> then he said, then I said, so what do you want? He said, you can sign a contract. We get into a deal. I blow you up. I market your materials. There's a way to go about it. And I teach you how to do this. There's a way to do it and all that. And after he left, the Lord said, I don't want you in America. Go back to Africa. Go back home. <laughs> and I understood a lot of things about the work and the ministry at the West. So I have to come back home and I did. And, and there are so many things I can do to be huge. But that is not my desire. That is not my interest. I'm not interested in being big and huge. Sometimes when they tell me my numbers on social media, I just, okay, fine, fine, that's good. That's it, period. It doesn't blow me up. Because I've never desired when I began ministry, I've never desired to be anything big to prove any point. I don't prove any point. I was telling somebody the other day, I said, there are things that people who contend with me over, compete with me over, that I don't want it. I'm not interested. My trial, I've gone past it. I don't want it. You want it. You don't have to fight me. You can have it. Just ask me. I'll give it to you. I don't need it. My priorities in life is, is different. I see differently with where I sit. I'm looking at things differently from what it used to be before. Amen. You are chosen. Go ahead. Number one, chosen. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Tell somebody you are royalty. You are royalty or you are royal. You you are royal. You might not know it, but that is who you are. You know, 
You can write a book. And it doesn't matter the content of the book. If you don't have a name, nobody will buy your book. You see Harry? Everybody is buying his books because of where he comes from. His royalty. Everybody wants to know the content and what Harry is saying. He's the name. One of my bishops came to see me some years ago. He had written a book. The content was good, but he hadn't proven it. The thing he had written was bigger than he himself. And I said, I can't forward this book because you don't have a name to sell the book yet. And I said, you haven't been tested and tried and you haven't proven the things you've written in the book. So I cannot forward it. David said to Saul, I have not proven it. I can't go to fight Goliath with your armor. I'll go with what I have proven. And in life, the most dangerous thing you can do to somebody, especially if you don't like somebody, the easiest way to destroy them is to give them an exposure before their time. Is to put them on a platform they are not ready for and a platform they haven't developed capacity and maturity to stand upon. And that is all you have to do. They will hang themselves. I remember years ago, I was invited to preach in a conference in America. And I knew that as good as I was, gifted and anointed as I was, I hadn't developed spiritual muscles. And I didn't have the maturity and the capacity to function on that altar and that platform. And as much as I did well with the people, with those on the platform, I didn't perform well. And I knew I wouldn't be invited anymore. And from that day, they never invited me again. Yeah, they didn't. Why? Because... I was saying things I hadn't proven. Yes, sir. I don't trust you. I don't trust you unless you've been tested and tried. I don't trust you. You are an amateur. And one of the most dangerous things in life is to be surrounded with people who don't understand the value of greatness and they don't understand the value of loyalty. They don't understand the value of royalty. If the driver that was driving You know, Princess Diana was a royal driver trained to understand the treasure and the value in that car. There's a possibility she wouldn't have died. But he was a driver. But not every driver can drive royalty. Because if you don't know the value of royalty, you can endanger the life of royalty. I said in the first service that there is a possibility that Martin Luther King Jr. did not understand his value himself at that time. He just thought he was doing something good and right, which was true. But you see, he was a threat. He had initiated a movement and was a threat 
and he didn't even know himself that he was a threat. The most dangerous thing in life is to be a threat and not know that you're a threat. Turn to somebody and say, do you know you're a threat? Uh -huh. It's dangerous to be a threat and not know it. You can become a casualty. You can become a casualty. And a victim of the powers of assassination because you don't know who you are. I don't go every place. It's not every place I go. It's not every invitation I honor. Because I have an idea of who I am. Musali kahandi asa. Salata kula wuhans. Ifulahan wudukuluhun hudahanduhus. Lokutun kulun duman bevalukutun dawahasa. Got to know who you are. It's not everywhere you go. You're a Nazarite. You are a royal. And it's dangerous to be surrounded with people who don't know the value of royalty. They can easily kill you without knowing it. Not because they are bad people, but because they lack the ability. Oh, Mahasiatuhan, Vuda, Akitu Wahanda. Salam wakandisa falakatun kusahanda tunda kahasit. Go ahead, Bishop. Royal priesthood. Uh -huh. A priesthood. You're a priest of God. You stand between man and God. You stand in the gap for others. Go ahead. A holy nation. You're a holy nation. You are different from others. That is what holiness means. A peculiar people. You are unique. Tell somebody you. You are unique. You are unique. You are different. Yeah, go ahead. That he might show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness yeah. into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. Let me show you some scriptures because of time quickly. Come with me. Come with me quickly. Thank you, Lord. Jesus is Lord. Say, Jesus is Lord. Second Corinthians 12, 7. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Quick. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, uh -huh. the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Another translation said, because of the abundance of revelation I was carrying, a messenger of Satan was allowed to buffet me, to trouble me, a messenger of Satan. He went to God three times on this matter. And the Lord said, listen, Paul, don't come back to me on this matter. You can deal with it. Tell somebody you are up to the tax. You are up to the tax. Tell somebody you can handle it. Tell somebody you can master this thing. A thorn in the flesh. A messenger of Satan. Not because he was Paul, but because of what he was carrying. It was about where he was going. It was about what he was carrying. Abundance of revelation. Sometimes it's the anointing, it's the gifting, it's the destiny, it's the potential. It's what you are carrying that provokes and attracts all kinds of situations you go through and others are not going through the same thing. And sometimes you say, what is wrong with me? How come, as for me, everything is a fight? Everything is contention. Everything is complicated. My mother used to say, you, when you were a kid, anytime you were sick, it was a life and death situation. And other siblings get sick. And they are fine. The same thing, malaria, same thing that everybody has. 
they will have it and get well. But when it came to me, it was a life and death. My temperature was always above the ceiling. The doctors have to rush in, do everything, and still the temperature is not coming down. And I'm hot, and they don't know what to do. Same thing. I have no idea I was ever going to be a preacher. I have no idea I'll become who I am today. Somebody had a clue. Somebody somewhere knew something that I don't know. And I didn't know. Malua, Asadia, hey, Kitu Wahasan, Falandu Kasimanda, Wahalandu Kahisait, Iaya Kuan, Sulaya Katan, Duvalu Katuka Wahasit. A familiar spirit had a clue. Of where I was going, what I was carrying. I had no idea. And everything was complicated about my life. Everything was a fight. Everything was a struggle. Somebody didn't want me to move on in life. To become stable. To accomplish anything. Because I was carrying. And Paul said, this is not because I'm Paul. It's not because I studied law at the feet of Gamaliel. It's not because I come from the tribe of Benjamin only. But this is about the abundance of revelation that I'm carrying. Someone, somewhere knows what I carry. Come with me. Let me show you another scripture. Come with me. To 2 Chronicles. 18 chapter and the 30th verse. Now the king of Syria had commanded the captains of the chariot that were with him, saying, uh -huh. Fight ye not with small or great. Listen to this, listen to this. Fight ye not with small or great, save only with the king of Israel. You see, this is what we call demonic concentration. Tell somebody, demonic concentration. Tell somebody, you are a target of evil. Tell somebody, you are a target of evil. The enemy has targeted you. Hey, look aside the house of this. Let nothing threaten your security. Let nothing compromise your security and your life and your health. By any means, under any condition, by the power of Jesus' name, name above every other name, we place an injunction on the threatenings of the enemy. In the name of Jesus, say yes. Say yes, say yes. Put your hands together and give him glory and praise. Here, yeah, the king of Syria, they were at war with Israel. And at a point, the king of Syria caught a revelation, he had an insight. And he said, you know what? We are not winning this battle. It's because of the king of Israel. This guy called the king of Israel is a threat. He's a problem. We got to go after him. Leave everybody else. Focus on the king of Israel. Leave every one of the children of this family. Focus on the promised child. Focus on the one carrying the promise. The one carrying destiny. The one with potential. The one going somewhere. Focus on that one. Leave everybody alone. That is why some of you, your battle is complicated. It's not because you are better than your siblings. It's not because there's something bad about you. It's all about what you are carrying. You are carrying 
heavy duty cargo. Place your hands on your stomach and say heavy duty cargo, heavy duty cargo. Yeah, that is your problem. So you don't understand. That's why I preached a message some years ago entitled, I understand that I don't understand what I understand. Come with me, please. Thank you, Lord. To Revelation 12, 3 and 4. Revelation 12, 3 and 4. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten I don't horns. want to deal with a great red dragon, the seven. I don't want to go into all that now. And seven crowns upon his head. Yeah, I don't want to And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. Yeah, I don't want to deal with that yet. And did cast them to the earth. And uh -huh. the dragon stood before the woman. This is what I want Which to was ready to be delivered. Uh-huh. For to devour her child as soon as it was born. You see, so the battle was not about the woman. It was about the child. Touch your stomach. Say heavy duty cargo. Heavy duty cargo. Inside of me. That is what the enemy is interested in. He, he doesn't care about you. It's what you are carrying. He wants what you are carrying. And you know what the danger is? Is carrying something heavy. Going somewhere without knowing it. You become a victim. And a casualty. I pray today for you. For everyone hearing the sound of my voice, that none among us will become a victim or a casualty of any evil work between now and the end of 2023 and beyond. In the name of Jesus, 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 somebody scream, Jesus. The dragon was not interested in the woman. He was interested in what the woman was carrying. Some theologians said she was carrying the church. She was carrying the church. But whatever it is, to make it simple, for everybody hearing the sound of my voice, it's not about you, but it's about what you are carrying. It's about what you become. You are a threat to an adversary. And I pray that you will walk circumspectively. I pray that you will walk with understanding. I pray that you will stop trying to be accepted, trying to have recognition, attention, and relevance, and realize that because of who you are, you may have to be a loader. De la kuta wahadaza, asanda kasunita luhan, eyeidu kawahalindi mahasan, falandu kuwahasia. You must be willing to sometimes be misrepresented and not to be liked and not to be wanted and to be rejected by others. I have learned to walk a lonely path. I have learned to be misunderstood. I'm for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Mosaya Takadasa. Hey, 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 hey. Kodahasa, Amalakadu Alasia. I silence every voice of an accuser. Every voice of an accuser, false and true accuser, by divine authority, I command, let their voices be silenced. Silence. Put your hands down. Silence them. Hear me. Hear me. The Bible says, 
and, and Daniel was put in the dens of lions and the king couldn't sleep all night. And early in the morning, the king came and said, Daniel, have your God whom you serve continuously. You see, it's not every now and then. It's not when you feel like and when you don't feel like. But this thing is not about feelings. It's not when everything is going right or good. But you do it whether you feel good or bad. You, you, are, you are consistent. He said you serve him continuously. People are watching you. The enemy is watching you. The other day, Job said, though he slays me, yet I'll trust him. You serve him not because of what he does for you. You serve him because... It is your duty to do so. And the three Hebrew young men, until you come to a place and said, Lord, whether you bless me or not, whether you give me a husband or a wife, I will serve you anyway, anyhow. The three Hebrew young men said, our God is able to deliver and he will. And even if he decides not to, we are still going to stand for God and we will not compromise our faith. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together. Scream. Shout yes. Shout yes. Shout yes! The woman, the dragon, was ready to devour the child because she was ready to have the baby. As soon as the baby comes, we intercept the Midianite curse. Say, I repeal the Midianite curse. You know what the Midianite curse is? The Midianite curse is when you sow and it's time for harvest. Then the Philistines come like grasshoppers to destroy your harvest and your crop. I pray that in the name of Jesus, you will not plan for another. You will not build for another. But it shall be well with you. And that you will eat the fruit of your labor. Tell somebody, I will eat the fruit of my labor in the name of Jesus. I will not build for another. I will not plant for another. In the name of Jesus, say, I will plant and I will harvest it. I will build and I will leave the rain. If you believe it, put your hands together. Shout yes. <laughs> Hear me? Whenever the enemy knocks at your door, it's a prophetic indication by this scripture that it is harvest time. He doesn't come until it is harvest time. He doesn't show up until it is time to deliver the child. He didn't come the first month, the second, third, fourth, fifth month. He came on the 40th week. He came at the Kairos moment. He came at the prime of life. I pray that in the prime of your life you will miss it. That you will not err in the prime of life that you will not be cut off in the prime of life, but that in the prime of life, you will do right by God and yourself, and that you will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. If you believe that, put your hands together and decree it. I will not miss it in the prime of life. Hey! Hey! Mosadikai Hadassah Latanda kasan wasandu kalima tunda kasaya ifala kutu an kusadi amadasit. Hear me. Come with me quickly. Come with me quickly. Hmm. Come with me, please.
Come with me to 1 Samuel 17 and 34. 1 Samuel 17 and 34. And David said unto Saul, uh -huh. Thy servant kept his father's sheep, uh -huh. and there came a lion and a bear, uh -huh. and took a lamb out of the flock. Now watch this. The, the bear and the lion are arch enemies. The bear and the lion, they don't like each other. But this time around, they had a common goal. Yeah. The lion wanted the lamb. And the bear wanted the lamb. They were not interested in the shepherd, nor in the sheep. They wanted the lamb. The only proof and testimony and harvest and result David had as a good shepherd. The enemy came to steal the testimony. He came for the testimony of David that he could do something with his life. The enemy wants you to work without a result. He wants you to serve God without the testimony. And when you don't have a testimony, you don't have victory. When you don't have a testimony, you have nothing to show for. But I pray that in the name of Jesus, your testimony will not be stolen. That the enemy will not steal your testimony. Say, I block the contention over my testimony. Say, I block the contention over the lamb. In the name of Jesus, say yes. Say yes. He wants the lamb. Two adversaries, two arch enemies became allies over the lamb. We raised firewalls around the land. We activate prayer shields around the land. We protect the lamb among us. Let the lamb be preserved among us. Are you hearing me? Somebody say yes. You see, the lamb is innocent. It's dangerous to be innocent. I'm telling you. On one hand, it's a good thing. But on another hand, it's very dangerous to be innocent. Sometimes I wish I could tell my kids everything. Yeah. I wish I could tell them everything. But it's not everything you can tell them because they have to come of age. My father used to say, there are things I want to tell you, son, but you are not of age. You can't handle it. I said, dad, you tell me. He said, no, 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 son. You don't understand it. One day you will. There was one thing he told me and it took me 20 years. 20 years before I understood and I said to Bishop Nyaku, I said, now I understand what my father was trying to tell me. 20 years ago, I didn't understand it. Because I was innocent. I saw life differently. I hadn't been tested and tried. And that's why before David passed, he said to Solomon, watch that guy. That guy, watch him. Watch him. The day he comes to Jerusalem, kill him. Watch him. There are some things you have to tell your children. Watch that person. I was talking to one of my sons this morning, and I said, I want you to hear me. Don't forget what I'm telling you. I said, you don't have to do anything about it, but you just have to know, son. Know it. Be aware. I want you to have the awareness so you are not fool and deceive and walk ignorantly. Have the awareness, but do nothing about it. Just be aware of it. It will help you one day. And I'll tell you something. 
I don't trust the praises of people. I don't trust the praises of people. And I always tell my kids, I say, don't trust the praises of people because the same people who say, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David are the same people who say, crucify him, crucify him. Until you've been through trials, until you've been through something and you've seen people stand with you to their own head, don't trust them. Don't trust them. And when you see people go through crisis in life, be careful. I don't judge people because I don't know what God is doing when I see people go through trials. I've seen a lot of people go through trials. And people have come to me. We want to interview you. What do you think about what's going on? I say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have nothing. I have no comment. Silence cannot be quoted. I said, I'm sorry. I have no comment on this matter. What do you think? Nothing. What are you doing? Praying? That's it. Because sometimes you see people go through things. It doesn't make sense. It can be so embarrassing. But just wait and see what God does. How he turns what was meant for evil for good. Are you hearing me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been in situations in this country where I was going through hell and high water and everybody who related to me was warned and said, stay away from the archbishop. What he's dealing with is too bad, very sinful. And I was out there in the media for years and nobody would touch me, nobody would deal with me. It was shameful and embarrassing. One time I was in America, 27 years ago. I had a call. And it was an auditor of a newspaper. I didn't know it. I was leaving for London the next day. And he said, I'm told you have a drug rehab. I said, yes. He said, I have a brother who is a drug addict. Can you help him? And I said, I will try. What is the problem? And he told me. And I said, I'll be in London the next day. Apparently, he was an auditor of one of these big newspapers. I got to London. As soon as I arrived, I saw my name, front page on a newspaper. Over 10 million circulations a day. I won't mention the name. And they wrote some things about me. And then when you get into the main content, it had nothing to do with me. It had to do with a brother of mine. And they were saying that, how can you have a drug rehab? Helping people to get off drugs. And your brother deals in drugs. It had nothing to do with me. And they tied my name into it. Then the papers in this country picked it up. And it was everywhere. I didn't say anything. There are some battles in life. You win it by time. It's like a woman pregnant. If you try to give birth to the baby immediately, it will be premature. And vindication is in the womb of time. Some battles, you let it go. You give it time. And the most painful thing is when you have something to say, but nobody will hear you, and nobody will listen, and nobody will believe you. So say nothing. Because you are wasting time and energy. When you are explaining, you are losing. Say nothing. And sometimes, the very people you love the most, who you have stood for and believed in, are the people who will turn on you. It hurts. It hurts. 
but endure it. Endurance is part of growing up. You got to learn to endure pain. You got to learn how to handle pain. Oh, Mosiada Kasand, Mesayatu Kawand, Falandu Kasimanda, Leata Kutan, be kind to one descent, Fulaya Katu Sundu, Lubrukisi country case to Pati Asata, Akatunda Kalasata, Hey Kadunda, Mulaya Kisa, he that prays in unknown tongues, edified himself. I'm building up myself. I'm edifying myself. Because sometimes when you speak for hours, you drop spiritually. Your water level drops. But when I pray in the Holy Ghost, I build up myself. Edifies himself means he build up himself. But he that prophesies edifies the church. Amen. Hallelujah. Come with me to the next scripture. Come with me. Let me look at my time quickly. Genesis 37 and the 20th verse. Genesis 37 and the 20th verse. Come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. Now watch it. Now hear me. Hear me. Look at me. Tell somebody, get this. Get this. Tell somebody, get this. Get this. Get it. Now get it. They did not say, we will kill him and see what shall become of him. They said, no, we'll kill him. Let's see what shall become of what? Talk to me, somebody, give it to me. Talk to me. What shall become of what? His dreams. Tell somebody, it's about your dream. It's about your dreams. Yeah. That's it. Do you hear me? Do, do you feel me? Am I talking to somebody this morning? No, 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 no. I'm not feeling you. Am I, am I making sense to somebody? Are you hearing me, somebody? If I'm making sense to somebody, if I'm helping somebody, will you give the Lord a shout and a clap offering in the house? Look at me. Joseph was different from all his 12 brothers. He was different. He was unique. He was chosen from among them all to be the one that will carry the promise. He was the promised among all of them. So they ganged on him. They hated him. They didn't like him. I have accepted that there's a possibility that there's a group of people in this life who will never like me the rest of my life. And I've come to accept it. Modaya Kasada, Edeki Tul Kuwanda San, Bilaya Tan Kuwandi, Hamahandu Wahalahasiya. I've come to that conclusion that it does not matter. If to fulfill my dream and my mandate, I have to be rejected by some people and not accepted by others and not wanted by others, it is okay. We know you are blessed by that word of God. And look forward to you joining the messages of the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams again. For more information on our events, books and messages, please visit NDW Ministries online at www.ndwministries.org or call our offices on plus one 
eight seven seven three six one five one one one. Once again, thank you for joining the Archbishop today, and may you continue to experience the life-transforming power of God's blessings.